everyone. This is the Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime suspense and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that the Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. But first, let me put in a good word for Blueberry Podcasting. I'm a Blueberry affiliate, but that's not the only reason I'm telling you this. I've been using Blueberry Podcasting as my hosting service for my podcast for years, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. They give great customer service, you're in complete control of your own podcast, you can run it from your own website, and it just takes a lot of the work out of podcasting for me. I find for that reason that it's a company that I can get behind 100% and say, you should try this. Try Blueberry. It doesn't require a long-term contract, and it's just a great company, period. And it also has free technical support by email, video, and phone. So you can get a human being there. Isn't that nice? Hi, everyone. We're back with our first episode of Season 8. And I'm so excited to have with me a distinguished journalist and a New York Times bestselling author. Uh, previously, a senior writer at the Daily Mail, news editor at the Daily Telegraph, and chief new reporter at the Mail on Sunday. She's had lots of experience covering crime in her 30-year journalism career. She is also, as I said, a New York Times bestselling author of The Widow, The Child, and The Suspect. Her latest book is Local Gone Missing. I'm pleased to introduce my guest, Fiona Barton. Hi, Fiona. I'm so happy you're here today. Hi, it's so good of you to have me on. Very pleased to be here. Well, I'm extremely happy to have you here. I got to tell you, um, I was looking over your books and the first two books uh, concern your sleuth, Kate Waters, who's a journalist. Now, I suspect that a lot of that writing was inspired by your 30 years as a journalist. That's just a guess on my part. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> good guess. Pretty good guess. Well, it's interesting because uh, when I started writing The Widow, my first book, I didn't have a reporter in it. Um, it was about a marriage with secrets. It was going to be told by Jean, my widow in the title. And uh, and I thought, oh, I need somebody for Jean to be telling this to. So um, Kate came knocking at her door and uh, and gradually her part in the book sort of got bigger um, because I loved writing her. It was coming home. You know, she's um, she's been everywhere I've been. And uh, so I kept her for the child, the second book. And um, she was the investigator, really, in the second book. And then the third book, The Suspect, she was still there, but uh, I turned the tables on her, poor lady. Um, And she became the story. And I thought at the end of The Suspect that I probably ought to let her have a lie down. Um, She'd been through a lot. So um, 
I rested her and uh, started writing about a whole new cast of characters. Hmm. Did that lead to the book that you have now? Well, uh, it did in the end. Um, yeah, I had a bit of a false start uh, with book four. Um, I wrote something different and didn't quite work as I wanted it to. And so I asked if we could set it aside. Um, and my wonderful editors, wonderful publishers said yes. And so then I went to, uh, then I started writing Local Gone Missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed uh, that this is kind of a deviation from what you've done before. Would, would it be is. fair to say? Oh, yes, very much so. So um, I've, so instead of having a journalist, um, I've got uh, a woman, a female um, murder detective who is at a real crossroads in her life. Um, she's one of these women who she knew where she was going. She knew what she was going to do, driven, didn't want a family, all about the job. And uh, and that was brilliant until uh, her life imploded. Um, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and her long-term partner um, left uh, rather brutally. And, uh, and she's moved to a new town, a little seaside town where she's kind of, she's on sick leave and uh, doesn't know whether she could, whether she can go back to doing what she used to do, whether she can ever be that woman again. Um, so very vulnerable, feeling very vulnerable. And uh, so she's at the heart of the thing, of the book, um, a brand new character. And uh, I think the themes of the book are, for me anyway, um, Elise, King, D.I. Elise King, it's her journey, a personal journey, um, but also um, going back to work through this rather amateurish investigation that she, uh, that her neighbour persuades her to get involved in. Um, and, uh, but it means that, you know, she's using all her skills. So um, it's, it's a, a really positive thing that she's doing. I find that rather fascinating, the concept of a skilled, trained investigator being sidelined by a health issue and wondering if she can continue to do it <laughs> and trying well, to find think, ways to do it. I think, you know, you, you are seen differently when you've had a life-threatening illness um, and the treatment is so brutal. Um, it, it, you know, it does leave you feeling vulnerable. Uh, and, and, you know, she, she's not sure that she's frightened, I think, that um, she might drop the ball um, because she has brain fog from the chemo and, and her strength isn't as it was. And all of those things, she thinks she's going to be judged um, by her colleagues. She is a woman in a man's world. Um, so, yeah. Do you think... Uh... This kind of plays a little toward what a lot of women might feel at a certain age. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, there's been a lot of discussion here. I don't know whether it's been the same in the States about um, women's health 
um, especially around um, the menopause and HRT and lots of issues about that, about how, you know, women are sidelined when they get to a certain age, they become invisible. Um, and it's true. I mean, it is astonishing, but it is true um, that people just don't notice you anymore. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd say there's a certain amount of discussion about that here, for sure. Oh, good. All right. Yeah, good. No, big whatever. Topic. Yeah, whatever discussion we don't generate ourselves, we steal from you guys. I guess. Oh, I'm sure. You guys I'm have sure some great two-way traffic, isn't it? Must be great uh -huh. television shows. I got to tell you, I've been watching mm -hmm. some wonderful stuff on the BBC America. <laughs> excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's an age for television drama at the moment it on sure both sides is. of the Atlantic. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I was reading in one of your interviews that you like to write about ordinary people dealing with extraordinary situations. I thought that was a great concept, one that I've always been fascinated with. Uh, sure. And, and I think, you know, because so much of journalism is that um, the sort of journalism that I was doing, the reporting I was doing, it was news journalism. So I wasn't specializing in politics or health or it was uh, human interest stories. It was uh, and crime and um, all sorts of things, really. But it was a lot of ordinary people um, in extraordinary circumstances, some bad, most bad um, and some good. You know, sometimes there are happy stories. <laughs> Thank God. Um, but uh, yeah, so I did a, a, a bit of an apprenticeship, really, 30 years writing about that before I came to fiction. Very, very interesting. I was trained in journalism, actually, oh. but ended up going to law school. Ah, well, there <laughs> Go you figure. Are. Well, um, yes, there's a lot of crossover. In there the, is, in actually. Yeah, yeah. I had a, a great period of adjustment from writing legal stuff to writing fiction myself. I, I saw that you spoke about that in another interview about the difficulty yeah. of Oh, I'm allowed to make things up. <laughs> no, it's a weird thing, isn't it? You it would is. think it would it would be an easy thing to do, but it is not. Um, and no. still, <laughs> I do like to be grounded in real situations, real people. Um, even when I'm just sort of taking, you know, an expression here, um, you know, something that someone said there. But even so. You know, I don't write science fiction or fantasy. I need real people. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm stuck with that, I think. I know what you're talking about. I, I like dealing with, you know, the gritty reality of things in a lot of my work. And I appreciate it in others, for sure. Mm. Um, yeah. So what is it that you think uh, your readers are getting from from what you write that you've your your career seems to have just taken off like a shot? I know it was slightly surreal. Um, I don't know. I'm, when you go to reader events, I'm always struck and slightly in awe of what they have taken from my books. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, this, this isn't Tolstoy, but um, so there aren't, you know, great um, grand themes and, and whatever, but, um, they're interested in such different bits of it 
um, when I started, I was really worried that um, they'd hate me because I was a journalist and journalists at that time in the UK were absolutely, we were worse than the tax man. Um, but that was the feeling that I got. But um, when I met readers, it wasn't like that at all. They were fascinated by a reporter's life. They wanted to know more and they weren't judgmental. Um, and that's what encouraged me really to keep Kate, that um, they wanted to know more about that world and the dilemmas, the morals, the, you know, the ethics of it all. Um, they wanted to discuss it. Um, and they're so detailed. You know, uh, there was one where um, there was a, a meet, um, an event at a bookshop and uh, a lady asked me what, did, uh, I don't know if you've read the first one, but there's a, a mother called Dawn whose child goes missing and uh, she has another baby and uh, and this lady said what did dawn call her next baby and i had no idea i had to make it up on the spot and now i've forgotten so i hope nobody asked me again <laughs> oh my god but she was so invested in that character she wanted to know more um and i'm the same as a reader i'll read something and think oh I need to know, you know, about this or that and, and what happened next. So, yeah, it's um, it's wonderful. I think, you know, the reader, you, you hand a book over and then it's the readers, you know, they'll um, they'll they'll take individual things. It's fascinating. You know, it, it's, it's the same thing, actually, with script readings. There are times when I've heard people read screenplays I've written. And they have a totally different take on what I've written in terms of the uh, delivery. And I'll be like, yeah. whoa, that was brilliant. I hadn't thought of that. Sure. It's yeah. fascinating. Um, it what authors have most inspired your writing? Oh, goodness. Well, I've been reading since I was about four. So there have been a few. But um, I think in terms of psychological thrillers, um, I've my mum loved Agatha Christie so you know the house was full of her books and Sherlock Holmes I loved that but there was a bit there was a real step change when I read Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier where the whole thing changed from being very clever dicky you know I know I can spot all the different um all the different clues and red herrings and all that to being inside somebody's head um, and working things out, not knowing the truth of something because it's from different perspectives. And it was just brilliant. And mm -hmm. so that was um, that was the step change for me for psychological thrillers. But, you know, I read very widely and I love Kate Atkinson because for many reasons, because she's brilliant, but um, but because she showed me that you could tell a story from many narrators, and uh, that was important for me. And you know, Maggie O'Farrell, and you know, just great storytellers, Hilary Mantel, Wolf Hall. I love it when somebody absolutely, you know, turns you on your head. Um, because you think you've read quite a lot and you've seen how people do things and then somebody like Hilary Mantel comes along and and just does something completely different 
um I loved it absolutely loved it and you know I was absolutely in her world um even though it was you know 1580 or whatever it was and um it was a long time ago but I was she <laughs> still made it relevant and wonderful exactly mm. it's amazing how things that are old can be equally relevant now today absolutely yeah absolutely. I, I had the most extraordinary experience just today uh, a younger woman somebody in her 20s I think had put up a video analyzing the basically reviewing the prisoner that old show oh, really with Patrick McGowan yeah I, yes. was, I was struck by by how thoughtful her review was and how interested she was in the show Mm -hmm. and how and she said that she liked the last two episodes and I was like oh my gosh you mm -hmm. are a prisoner fan then <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. but I mean there's a show that's so relevant to today it's not even funny <laughs> no quite yes yeah. it's strange isn't it how things come round again isn't um, it it yeah. is very much so yeah uh what kind of writing schedule do you keep mm gosh um <laughs> i should be saying you know i get up and blah, 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 blah. but um i try and be i try and stick to a schedule but um so what i normally do is i wake up quite early um and i start writing in bed um because i know that as soon as i get up i will be distracted i'll be you know doing other things putting washing on all that kind of thing so i do stay in bed very bad for your back i don't uh, advise it um i have got a writing shed um which is a shed in fact not just, <laughs> just a, this is it <laughs> chaos um but i write best in the morning uh and i usually sort of dribble to an end at about one so probably about eight till one um when i start writing you know drivel and uh and then i have lunch and then i come in the shed and i edit i read what i've written i'll do some research um listen to some music <laughs> and think about what i'm going to write the next morning um so yeah mornings are best for me i'm not very good in the evening you know i'm in bed by 10 10 30 so um yeah mm -hmm. yeah i can relate yeah um as a journalist what are your thoughts about the future of journalism <laughs> oh my goodness that's a big subject <laughs> i know can you describe <laughs> it in 25 words or less oh, okay <laughs> um gosh uh the thing is it's so important and i think sometimes we lose sight of that because we have a in the west we have a free press um in most countries in the west um and you know we, we've we've taken it for granted um so when i've taught journalism in countries where reporters are murdered if they write the truth about the government or about powerful figures and so and yet young people want to be journalists still and so i'm you know i've 
it's recalibrated what I feel about the future of journalism because, you know, social media and the new platforms has changed everything. Um, there was a point where everyone thought they were a journalist. Luckily, that has now passed. Um, but it does mean that, you know, um, people have got a microphone and can be heard. Uh, and it that has changed um, everything. Um, I think we got a bit um, a bit too excited about the platforms and forgot about the quality of the content, to be honest. But I Thank do you. think that's coming <laughs> back. That's coming back. Um, you know, the journalism lives on and, and will always um, in some form or another. Now, what that form will be, I don't know. Um, the newspapers are struggling terribly um, here. I don't, I think they are in the States as well, aren't they? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, you know, print is on its way out, but the journalists who, who worked for print um, are still producing excellent reporting, international reporting, long form journalism. So I'm optimistic. Um, you've got to be really, haven't you? That's right. Got to look on the bright side, even if there isn't one. To paraphrase. <laughs> I think there is a bright Hammett. side. I think it'll be okay because <laughs> it's so important. I don't. It can't disappear because we've got to be able to hold power to account, and it's one of those. You know, it's one of the planks in that in a in democracy. You're here. Um, let's see. What advice would you give to someone who would like to write for a living? <laughs> when I started, um, my agent said, don't give up your real job just yet. <laughs> Making a living is really hard as a writer. Um, but if you want to do it, you know, you've got to start. That's the main thing I was saying to someone the other day. What I would say is get going and don't rush. So a um, bit of a contradiction, but get going in that you know, write down your ideas, get things moving in your head, um, but then don't rush to um, to finish. Um, let it cook, let things unfold, give yourself time to develop. Um, but I would say, you know, you've got, it's all very well saying I've got, you know, oh, you know, I've got such a good idea, and then doing nothing about it, you know, write it down, see what it looks like on a page, and um, and carry on. That's it. Keep calm and carry on. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you a Doctor Who fan? <laughs> I used to be. I was terrified of it when I was a child. Uh, my best friend, uh, who's still my best friend, um, she used to terrify me um, and we would she'd put it on and the music alone would make me hide behind the settee oh my gosh darling <laughs> oh my lord um, yeah it terrified me and then I kind of we I carried on watching but actually my kids weren't fans I don't know why really um, but so who's your favorite who's your favorite doctor Oh, well, I have to say Tom Baker, because he was the first doctor I got to know. Oh, right. Okay. He was my and first he's doctor. truly bonkers. 
I loved him. I loved him for that. Yeah, yeah, I did too. I have to admit that I also liked Sylvester McCoy for the same reason that he was so bonkers. Wow, that's controversial. Is it really? Yeah, controversial. Well, mm, I know that there was some controversy about making him a doctor. (laughs) I don't. I can't remember, but he is a bit of a marmite doctor. But marmite. Wow, I love Marmite. <laughs> when you see Marmite, you either love it or hate it. Because uh, it's, not, it's not middle of the road, That's is it? Right. Um, but uh, yeah, David Tennant, I thought was fantastic. But he's fantastic. Oh, yeah. in he's wonderful. He was wonderful. I thought Matt Smith was good too. Yeah, the modern ones have been great. But when I started watching, it was William Hartnell. I'm that old. Oh, yeah, I William Hartnell, yeah, I, I've yeah. seen the older ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's I mean, a you know, you see the scenery moving now, but uh, <laughs> when you look at it now, but and Patrick Troughton I thought was great too. He was, but, he was yeah. wonderful, he had some good companions too, I liked them. Yeah. I was always yeah, a big it, fan it of Jamie. was a great concept, wasn't it? What a great concept it was, and still is, you know, they're still reinventing it. Absolutely. It's something that can just keep regenerating as time goes on. Um, Let's see. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we finish up? Um, (laughs) Um, This has been lovely. Great. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. Yes. And uh, I'm so happy that you liked it and uh, that you liked the book. And I'm working on book five, um, which, again, is uh, D.I.L. Lee's King and she's still there and uh so is ebbing uh the fictitious seaside town and a different um a different scenario as they say so maybe a series then well um i you know having invented the whole thing i thought blimey i'm not going to just discard it so and i did enjoy being in ebbing with her and i like her very much so um yeah i decided i would do another book and uh, we'll see for book six. Okay. Well done. Thanks. Thanks Thank so much you. for being here. I really appreciate it. Not at all. It's been great. So um, in any case, um, don't forget to check out our Patreon page. Everyone out there who's listening. And uh, we are offering bonus episodes, exclusive content, for patrons and more. And you can also get copies of the Crime Cafe ebooks there for free with your patronage. Um, so please hit subscribe and leave a review if you would. It really helps a lot. Until next time, happy reading. Mm-hmm.